Some are experiencing hunger, famine, floods, earthquakes, all kinds of disasters that people are experiencing around the globe. Fires, death, epidemics, even the pandemic still lingers in certain places. I want you to pray and ask God to visit those places and those people and show them mercy in the name of Jesus. Father, today we remind ourselves of your love, your great love for this whole wide world. For which reason you do not want anybody to perish, but that all will come to the knowledge of the truth. We pray, Father, that you will show mercy to the world today. Show mercy to those who are experiencing natural disasters, hunger, famine, sickness, Lord, as well as those who are experiencing prosperity, the kind of prosperity that makes them forget you, that makes them not care about you. Please show the world mercy at this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We ask for your blessing on the sharing of the word of God. In Jesus' name, open our eyes, O God, to behold wondrous things out of your law in the name of Jesus we thank you in Jesus name and everybody says amen, amen. hallelujah please be seated amen well as you may have heard today is international Sunday in our church yes and you know international on international sunday we take the opportunity to remember nations we celebrate um, people of different nations within our church and we also think about other nations that may not even be represented here but just to remind ourselves that others exist. Amen. And um, we try to uh, dress to look like some of them as much as we can. And um, especially the part that I look forward to, maybe apart from preaching, is um, what comes after, which is lunch. Isn't it? And um, where they have a taste of the nations and there's lots of food from different parts of the world. And um, I'm looking forward to that this afternoon. Amen. But before we get to that, I want to share with you uh, from one of the most popular verses in the Bible. And um, 
I just want to take a few minutes to share uh, from John chapter 3 and verse 16 because it is a verse that talks about God and the world. God and the world, right? And how God relates with the world. Amen. Amen. So John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Now, this simple verse contains many different revelations about God and the world. Amen. Amen. So, I want to take us through a few of them, and then we will close. Now, the first one is for us to note that this verse is about the greatest personality ever. Amen. Amen. The greatest personality. This is a verse not about a president of a nation. This is not a verse about the queen of England, you know, or King Charles, (laughs) right? This is not a verse about... Um, um, any important personality on, or human personality, right? This is a verse about God. Amen. Amen. God is greater than any person. God is greater than any human being. Amen. I mean, when you rise in the hierarchy of humanity, you go up and then when you get to the top of humans, you go beyond humanity and there you find God. He's superior to any human being. Yes. All human beings are subject to all kinds of things, sickness, death, and so on and so forth. But God is above all of that. Amen. And so, if God loves you, then that is something that must get your attention. Because a very, very great person loves you. Hallelujah. A very, very, very great person loves you. A very great person is concerned about you, is thinking about you. Hallelujah. And that makes Um, a lot of sense and must be responded to by you and I. Say amen, please. Number two is that God shows the greatest love ever shown to anyone. The greatest love ever shown to anyone. The love of God is the greatest love. Of course, I mean, the, if, if he is the greatest person, then his love must be the greatest love, isn't it? Yes. yes. 
when you have anything that is great, think anything about that thing is great. So you take an elephant, for example. An elephant is huge. So if you get even the foot of an elephant, it's, it's going to be huge. <laughs> or the toe of an elephant is going to be big. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And so God is great and his love is great. Amen. Amen. God's love is greater than the love of any human. All human love has limitations. But God's love is everlasting. Human love changes from season to season. You know, some people love a different person during the winter and they love a different person in the summer. <laughs> you know, yeah. I know someone who uh, once told me that he had a habit of breaking up with his girlfriend, you know, just before Valentine's Day, you know, just to reduce his bills. <laughs> And, and also to have the opportunity to go out with a new person. You know, I don't know, people need to be aware of all these tricks. <laughs> you know, yeah, that people do all these things. Yes, yeah, so when you see someone bringing up a quarrel and trying to make, pick up a fight with you for no reason where there shouldn't be a fight, you should just check the date. <laughs> Just, just ask yourself, what date is it? And if it's around January 15th, you should know that this is, you know, it's headed for Valentine's Day. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right. So this is the greatest love. It's greater than the love of a boyfriend. Absolutely. The love of God is greater than the love of a girlfriend. The love of God is greater than the love of a parent. You know, these are all kinds of love that we're used to, but the love of God is superior to all of this. Amen. It is the greatest love ever shown. Amen. Now, the next thing is that God loves not only with the greatest love, but the greatest number of people ever loved by one person. Wow. Because most people love only a few people. We are indifferent to most. And we hate a few. <laughs> Isn't it? But as for real love, most people really care about a small circle of people. Mostly our families and then our friends, close friends. You know, and that's it. But God loves the greatest number of people. The Bible says he loved the world. Yes, God loved the world. God has the same feelings towards anyone from any part of the world. You know, yes, God has the same feeling and gives the same invitation and has the same response and the same attitude to anyone from any part of the world. Because, you know, the Bible says we are his creation. He actually created us for his pleasure. You know, let me, let me show you a verse, John chapter 1 
and verse, um, which one should we read? John chapter 1 and verse 3. John chapter 1 and verse 3. It says that all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Wow. All things were made by him, that is God, and without him was not anything made that was made. There is nothing that exists in our world today that does not include God's input. And when I say God's input, not a small contribution to its existence, but the originator, that he is the source of it. Amen. Amen. All things were made by him. All things were made by him. There's another verse in the book of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. That means you qualify to receive glory and honor and power. You know, God qualifies to be glorified and to be honored, you know, by any of us. Why? For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Amen. You know, it says God, oh, where's the verse? Is it coming up? Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 right? It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now, that means God created all things for his pleasure. You know, God created you and I for his pleasure. God created us to enjoy us. Wow. Yes, God has plans to enjoy you. God intends to enjoy you. It's like recently I went to somebody's house and I saw this very beautiful dog. You know, yes. And I was just thinking, the only reason why this person has this dog here and continues to feed it and continues to look after it is because the person wants to enjoy the dog. Now, I've heard about dogs being put to sleep for biting people, even their owners. <laughs> yes, because when you bring an animal into your house, your reason is to enjoy and to have pleasure for, from that animal. Now, when that animal that is supposed to bring you pleasure turns around and becomes the source of your pain, then you have only one thing to do, which is to send it away. And so they put dogs to sleep because it, it you know, I, many years ago we used to have a dog and it developed this uh, skin, you know, condition and nothing would take it away. You know, and nothing would take it away. And at a point... It, it, it was a problem because we had the dog, but we couldn't enjoy it. We, we didn't, it didn't bring us any pleasure. 
And it was a pain just to watch it suffer. You know, so I remember my dad one day just came home from work and just said, enough. Tomorrow we have to take the dog to the vet and ask them to put it to sleep. And that's what they did. And I've never forgotten it. I was a boy, maybe about six, seven years old. I remember just before the, uh, the vet gave it the injection, you know, he put him on the table and was just looking at me, and then he patted his head like that and said, goodbye, friend, you know, and that was the end of our dog. I've never forgotten that picture, you know, uh, as I watched that happen, you know. It's because the dog no longer brought pleasure to its owner. Now, look at this. God created all things and he created all things for his pleasure. We exist for his pleasure. He says, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So everybody needs to ask themselves a question. How much pleasure do you bring to God, if any? So there are some of us who don't even care about God. We don't care about God. We don't think about God. God is not in our minds at all. But that's a very dangerous way to live. Because God is expecting to have pleasure from your life. He's expecting, he says, he qualifies. He's worthy to receive glory and honor and power. God expects that your life will bring him glory. God expects that your life will bring him honor. God is expecting something from us. I mean, as long as you know you didn't create yourself, you just have to coolly accept that the one who made you is expecting some pleasure and some glory from your life. Can I have an amen? amen. Right. So it is very important for us to understand that God loves the greatest number of people. And that includes you, and it includes me, and it includes anybody living in any part of the world. Most of us live a very narrow, small life that includes only a few people. We don't even admit people into our lives who are not from our countries, who don't have the same skin color, who don't speak or sound like us. You know, we don't admit admit um, such people into our lives. But when we do that, we'll be making a mistake. You know, they say that if the world had a hundred people living in it, only five of them would be from America. Actually, 14 of them from the Americas, wow. right? And out of the 14, five from the north and nine would be from the south, Central and South America. You get it. So if you live your life just focused on America, you're only experiencing 5%. You're living with the five. Do you see what I'm saying? You're living with the five and experiencing only 5% of what can be experienced. You're forfeiting 95% of what exists. 95% of people that can be known 
95% of places that can be known, 95% of foods that can be eaten, 95% of fun that can be had, you know. I mean, you might as well, I don't know, if someone goes to prison, um, I don't know, if someone is incarcerated, about how much of his life do you think he's living? If you lived in L.A., and you were incarcerated in a building in one of the prisons in, in the LA area, how much of your life would you be living? <laughs> yeah? Yes. Because you'd be missing every part of LA. You see the thing. So, in a sense, many of us have put ourselves in a prison by limiting our experience with people. By insisting that we only relate with a certain kind of people, we limit our experience or life experience greatly, right? That is why International Day is important. It's a day to be open and to learn more about other people and to relate with other people because God created all of us and God loves all of us. God loves the whole wide world. Say amen. amen. Number four is that God gave the greatest gift ever, which was his son. Right? God gave the greatest gift ever, which was his son. The verse says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? Yes. He gave his only begotten son. And I'm not surprised because all true lovers give something. <laughs> only fake lovers give nothing. <laughs> Do you see? Yes. Never go home with someone who wants everything for nothing. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Some people are experts at giving nothing. They claim to love, but they give nothing. But love is always followed by giving. The Bible says it proves the sincerity of love when people give. So, the, the fact that someone is willing to give something is proof that they love or that there is some love somewhere. Now, what they give is a measure of <laughs> the depths of the love. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because some people give something but that something is nothing. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, they give something, but it's really nothing. You know? And God loved us so much that he gave us the most that anybody can give, which is his only begotten son. Right? Now, people who have children understand what I'm talking about. That it's not easy or in fact, not even talk about easy. Nobody does it. <laughs> nobody gives their child. Yes, nobody gives their child. Even where the children are troublemakers, 
people still stand by their children. I mean, we live in America sometimes, we've seen young people commit all sorts of crimes, you know, and um, as much as the crimes are, you know, unfortunate and very devastating in their effect, they still have family that stands by them. You see them in court and their mother is there, and their father is there, because that's their child. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? And people love their children and don't guess give them away. No. But God proved his love by giving us his only begotten son. Not one of the angels. Yes. As for angels, God has a lot of them. <laughs> Do you see? Yes. And God could have sent one of his angels or maybe even a few of them. You know, God could have sent a few angels to come and do what the son came to do. But instead, he gave his only begotten son. Amen. Amen. The love of God for you and I made him give something precious. Because when you love someone, you prove the love by giving something precious. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, that's why people give rings to people when they love them. You know, and that's why the rings must have at least the appearance of a diamond, even if it's not real. Even if it's not real. Even if it's not real. <laughs> and most recipients of such diamonds don't even know it and they don't know how to recognize a real one. So by all means, put something on your ring. <laughs> By all means, put something on your ring because the receiver won't even know <laughs> whether it's a real diamond or not. Hallelujah. God gave something precious and that was his only begotten son. That's the greatest gift anybody can give. Amen. And then that is followed by the next thing, which is the greatest invitation ever. God gives the greatest invitation ever, offering whosoever the gift of salvation. Hallelujah. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... There are very few thing, free things in the world that belong to whosoever. <laughs> whosoever. Most invitations, once there's an invitation, if it takes an invitation, then whosoever is cancelled. <laughs> because if it truly belongs to whosoever, there's no need to invite do you see? But when people make invitation cards and so on, it's their way of saying that some specific people are invited to this experience. Hallelujah. And God gave the greatest invitation by inviting anybody. God invites anyone and everyone to experience salvation. No matter who they are, no matter where they live, 
no matter what their color is, no matter what their gender is, no matter even what their orientation, sexual orientation and gender and all these things that differentiate people, no matter what the, the, the person, um, uh, uh, what differentiates the person, God gives that invitation of salvation to everyone. Hallelujah. So as you sit here this afternoon, you have a standing invitation for salvation. God is inviting you to come to him. God is saying that you can benefit from my salvation. There is no need for you to die and go to hell because I have paid the price for you not to go to hell. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. It is like choosing to remain in jail when someone has posted a bond for your life. Christ has posted a bond for you. He has bailed you out of jail. You don't have to go to hell. And that invitation is to whosoever, anybody who wants it. Amen. I have two more. The next one is that God gives us the greatest and simplest method ever of entering heaven. The greatest and the simplest method ever of entering heaven. And that method is simply by believing. It says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That is all it takes to benefit from God's salvation. Just believing. Just believing. That makes it possible for the rich and the poor, the young and the old, because both young and old and adults and even very old people can believe. In fact, the younger you are, the more likely you are to believe. Do you see? Yes. So salvation is possible for everyone across the human spectrum. Amen. Salvation is possible for everyone because the, the condition for being saved is simply believing. Just believing. Many people do not believe that Jesus is the way to God. Many people do not believe, first of all, that they are sinners and that they need salvation. But if you don't believe you're a sinner, you have so many unanswered questions. You have to ask yourself, who taught you how to tell lies? You know, how is it that, how is it that we spend time teaching people how to do the right thing and yet they naturally do the wrong thing? Rather, the, the, the good that we are trained to do, we can't even do it naturally or even after we are taught to do it. But the evil that we are not taught is what we tend to do naturally. It shows that there is a fundamental pre-existing condition that makes us, you know, predisposed to um, doing evil things. Lying you know, cheating, stealing, you know, anger. Sometimes you wonder who teaches a little child how to hit someone. <laughs> that who told you that this is the reaction you must have when someone annoys you? But that's how they feel. Because that nature is in us. 
And if it is left unchecked, it just continues. And sometimes when you look at what happens in the world, you see that for some people, this was never checked. <laughs> and has continued and continued for a long time. You know, the other day I saw a video of some people fighting in traffic. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but they were, they were just fighting with their cars. <laughs> yes, I mean, and, and, and they had, they were, it was one Mercedes M class and the other one was a G class. Two very expensive vehicles driven by two very angry men. <laughs> And who decided to use their vehicles as weapons. Yes. And they were ramming the vehicles into each other in the middle of the street. Wow. That's our nature. That's what we're capable of. I mean, when we get angry and we are not stopped or restrained, there are many things we are able to do. Yes. If someone winds you up, enough you'll be surprised at what you're capable of doing last time I was telling my wife I was on the plane and um, I had an aisle seat and this man had the middle seat and he didn't like it very much you know and I was you know he was trying to feel very comfortable you know in the middle seat and I was also trying to let him know that that's why it's called the middle seat and that's why it's the last seat that's chosen. <laughs> if you got the middle seat, you have to accept your lot. <laughs> you see, but you don't try to fight with me over the, 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 the armrest. You know, we have to figure this thing out somehow. You have it a little while and I also have it a little bit. And then sometimes you put your arm in the front and I put mine in the back and we balance the whole situation while this flight continues. But this man wanted to have it and he, he sat and at a point he just did this, you know. You know, and I was amazed at the thoughts that came into my head. <laughs> So I was telling my wife yesterday that, you know, you know I, it's, I don't remember the last time I felt like fighting somebody. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember the last time where I felt like, you know, like, you know, and I was, I had all kinds of ideas. You see, and I really meant it. I, I, the ideas were alive. But then I, I processed it and I was just thinking, you know, if we got in a fight here, then it's going to be on the news and they're going to say that and a, a pastor and he was a bishop and, and uh, you know, I was just thinking about all these things, <laughs> you know, and I thought you would be here and you would see in the newspapers, fight breaks out on Delta Airlines, flight from Accra or something and you see, and the, the pastor would be your pastor, you know. So I just left it. But this is the first time in a long time that the idea of fighting someone physically had occurred to me. You know. So we all have this nature in us. If it is drawn out of us, you know, usually um, we respond. <laughs> You know, somebody said there's a king 
and a fool in everyone. And the one you talk to is the one who responds. <laughs> yeah. He says there's a king and a fool in everyone. If you talk to the king, the king will respond. But if you talk to the fool in him, the fool will respond. Do you see? Yes. So we all have a problem and we all need salvation. And that salvation is of being offered to us through Jesus Christ. And the method for benefiting from the salvation is very simple. It says, whosoever believes. Anybody who believes. Anybody just means anybody. Whosoever just means whosoever. It means it doesn't matter what your background is. It means it doesn't matter what you've done wrong. You know, it doesn't matter. Do you think we really... Oh, it really does matter. Once you get clothes together and get ready to wash them, it doesn't matter between the clothes if you found two of them arguing about which one is more stained than the other. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, they will all end up in the washer. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. All of us are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. All of us need cleansing. All of us need cleansing. Even the people who don't seem to need cleansing, they need cleansing. Don't you find that sometimes the clothes that come to the laundry, they don't look like they have dirt, but they don't smell good. <laughs> yes, they don't smell good. <laughs> so they are as bad as the ones that have stains. They all need to go in the washer. And all of us need to go in the washer and be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Whether you're rich or poor, educated, not educated, you know, boy or girl, man or woman, no matter who you are, our condition is the same. The Bible says all of us have sinned and falling short of the standards of God. And the way to access the salvation is simply by believing. Just believe that you are a sinner and believe that there is a solution to that sin. And that solution is through the Son of God. Hallelujah. It's the greatest and it's the simplest method ever of entering heaven and having salvation. It's so simple that people don't believe it. And people feel that they must suffer something. People feel they must, you know, experience some pain. You know, somehow we're conditioned uh, to feel or think that when something is free, then it's not real. But there are some real free things. There are some real free things. And one of them is salvation. And another one is the food you're going to eat after church today. <laughs> Amen. It's real. It's free. Hallelujah. And then the next one is that God gives us the greatest escape ever. It says that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Yeah. What does it mean to perish? To perish means to die and go to hell. To perish means 
that after this life is over, there is another experience waiting for you. Do you see? And that's something that must interest you because we do know that the Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. That's Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, I believe. The book of Hebrews chapter 9. We're just about to close. Just He says, it is... And as it is appointed unto men, look at this, it is appointed unto men. It is appointed unto men. That means death is an appointment made for humanity. That's why no one escapes it. That's why even the busiest people, the richest people, no one escapes it. It seems one by one, the conclusion of all human existence is death. Everybody who was born will one day experience death. So the dying is not the, is not the issue. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why you don't laugh at someone when they lose a loved one. No. Or rejoice over another person's death. Do you see? Yes, even if they were criminal. Even if they were wicked, there's no need to rejoice over the death of anyone because that's the same thing you will experience. Do you see what I'm saying? So if a criminal dies or a wicked person dies, you don't say it serves him right because you don't have that crime and you didn't do that, but you're, you're experiencing the same fate in just a matter of time. Do you see what I'm saying? So dying physically is not the punishment. It's just the end of life. At some point, you will have to leave this world. Do you see? We're all on a rolling conveyor belt that is slowly emptying us into some place. And we will all leave this world one day. So our concern must be what happens after that. When this life is over, what will happen to you? And you can choose not to think about it. It doesn't make it go away. You can decide not to think about tomorrow. doesn't mean tomorrow will not come. Tomorrow does not need your permission to come. Do you see? There are some things we can't change by refusing to engage thoughts about them. We don't change anything like that. It's a fact. It's a reality. And the Bible talks about it. It says, it is appointed unto men once to die. And that's true. Everybody dies just once. And then it says, after this, the judgment. After death, there is a judgment. There will be a day when you and I will account for the life that we lived here on earth. One day, you and I will have to give an account of our existence in this place. You know, and that day is surely coming. The other thing about that day is none of us knows when. Sometimes it's predictable, but most of the time it is not. Some people just step out of their home just to go to the grocery store and discover that that's the day. Do you see? Yes. 
I know someone who got married on Saturday and died on Monday. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, if he knew that he was that close to the end, I'm sure he wouldn't have bothered with the wedding. Well, on the other hand, maybe he would have. <laughs> yeah, he would have maybe a little earlier, isn't it? Yes. But that's the truth. That it could be any day. It could be any day. And that is why it is prudent to prepare to live every day as though it were your last. To live every day as though it could all come to an end today or tomorrow. You know, prudent people, wise people include death in their thoughts. Do you see? Yes. And you and I are not exempt. It says it is appointed unto men. It's an appointment that has been made for you. It's not an appointment that you make for yourself. It is appointed unto men. It is appointed unto men. And this appointment you will keep. I know there are doctor's appointments that we just, you know, call out of. We just call the doctor and say, I won't be able to make it. Yes. Yes. Dentist appointment. These days they are getting very smart. They put your credit card on the appointment. And so if you cancel, they charge something. You see, yeah. So there are all these appointments that we're able to get out of, but this one, we cannot get out of it. There's no one who escapes this one. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, the judgment. And if your standing is not right with God, then comes hell. Hell is the place where people will perish eternally. Do you see? It's the place that God has made for the devil and his angels and anybody who is not washed by the blood of Jesus, anybody who has not experienced the salvation that Jesus offers, that is why it's called salvation. Have you ever wondered why is it called salvation? Why is Jesus called the savior? Savior from what? You don't call somebody a savior for nothing. If he is a savior, then he must have rescued us or he must exist to rescue us from something that is very serious. That is why it says that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is offering us the greatest escape ever. And the greatest escape ever is to escape hell. Yes, the greatest escape ever is not any earthly escape. Because on the earth you escape one thing and the next thing gets you. Do you see? Yes, yes you escape one thing and the next thing gets you. You find someone who goes, in, um, let's say he escapes an accident. And then goes home and dies from a heart attack. <laughs> So that escape from the accident, no matter how interesting it may have been, is not the greatest escape because it does not make you escape death forever. The only real escape is the escape from the second death. Escaping from the first death, this physical death, 
it's not a great escape. Because if you escape, if COVID didn't get you, something else will get you. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, now they say monkey pox is around. Do you see? I don't know what's up with that. Do you see? But yes. All people die. No matter what they swallow. No matter what gym memberships they have. No matter how they eat. No matter what they eat. Some people eat all organic. Some people eat only plants. Some people also eat only animals. <laughs> yeah, those are carnivores. <laughs> you know, some people just eat only meat. Yes. You know, we are frightened by, you know, a small piece of steak and, you know, we have to think about it a whole lot and try to eat, you know, as little of it as possible and so on. And then you meet some people and they say, I eat beef. (laughs) Yes, and they eat it every day and they're huge. (laughs) Yes, and they're not dying. It seems there's no particular formula. (laughs) There is no particular formula. It seems all people die Any type of person can die. So it's prudent to prepare for your death. Do you see? Because for all the things that you do to protect yourself from dying, death may not even come from any of those things. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it may not come from any of those places at all. So you may be exercising and be in good health, but death may come through an accident. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. May God save you from any accident in Jesus' name. But I am saying that death has so many windows and doors of access into your life. Such that your only real escape from death is a preparation from it. Prepare for it so that it doesn't take you by surprise. Hallelujah. That's the greatest escape ever. And then finally, the greatest opportunity ever to have everlasting life. He said that they should not perish. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is spending eternity with God in heaven. Amen. It's prudent to believe in heaven. You know, if you believe in hell, you must believe also in heaven. You know, and when you die, if you find out there is no heaven, you know, we'll just go where everybody else is going. Do you see what I'm saying? If we die and find out there's no heaven or there's no hell, I think we'll just join the crowd. You know, most likely you will not be the only person who died on that day. So we'll find out where the others went. And we'll all just go there. Do you see what I'm saying? What is dangerous is to live all your life on earth saying that there's no heaven and that there is no hell and having no real proof other than your own feelings. 
And some people speak very confidently about something they know nothing about because it feels good not to think about heaven or hell. Because once you start entertaining such thoughts, it compels you to consider your life. It, it forces you to think about the life you're living now. So some people would rather just hide from it. But you know, hiding from something doesn't make it go away. It doesn't change the reality of its existence. Hell is real whether you believe it or not. And heaven doesn't need you to believe it to be real. <laughs> Do you see? So it is, it's prudent to believe in heaven. If we can have differences in places where people live right here on earth. Even here in LA, there are places. Yes, there are places. If you drive down to some of those places in Beverly Hills, you should believe in heaven and hell. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, if you go to some of those places, you should believe that there must be heaven and there must be hell. I was in that place, some place, Calabasas, some place like that, you know, and as I saw the neighborhoods, I said, man, this is also L.A., <laughs> Do you see? Yes. And then you come to other parts of LA and go down to um, um, Skid Row and other places like that. And that is LA too. <laughs> you must believe in heaven and hell. If those two places can exist in the same city, then you better believe that heaven and hell can exist in eternity. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it costs you nothing to enter heaven because the price has already been paid. The only thing that disqualifies anybody from going to heaven is their sin. But Jesus has paid the price for our sin. Hallelujah. Jesus has posted a bond for you. Jesus has put his life down. You know, he's put his life down so that you can have life. He has guaranteed that you can make it to heaven by shedding his blood and putting his life down for your life. Amen. Amen. Don't turn down the greatest opportunity of your life. Don't turn down the greatest invitation. Don't turn down the greatest escape. Don't turn down the greatest blessing that could ever come to your life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I pray that you will receive Jesus Christ and seize the opportunity to be saved today. On this international day, as we think about the world, think about your salvation also. That God loves the world and you are one of those people in the world that God cares so much about. I pray that you be saved today. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to pray. And as we pray to close, I'm going to ask you or give you an invitation to God. An invitation to salvation. An invitation to be saved. And I pray.
that you take advantage of that invitation. At least be sure that if you stepped out of this building and that were to be the last time you stepped out of a building, you would have a place. You would have a place eternally with God and that you would not go to hell. Hell is not a place to go to. If you don't like the prisons here, you wouldn't like hell. No. If you don't like prison here, you wouldn't like hell. So for some people, it's not even about the prison. Some don't even like certain neighborhoods. <laughs> yeah. Some people don't even drive to certain places at all because they get scared. If you're scared of any neighborhood in L.A., then you definitely don't want to go to hell <laughs> because hell is a scary place. The Bible says the worm doesn't die. It's non-stop heat. You know, last week or so we had a heat wave and a lot of people didn't enjoy it. And I was thinking if we don't like this, we won't like hell. So I want us to bow our heads in prayer, everybody. Let's pray as we close this service. And I want you to take the opportunity that God is offering to you today. Okay? Just bow your heads, please, and let's pray. I want to give you a chance to think about the salvation that Jesus is offering. Just think about the salvation that Jesus is offering and let's pray that you will receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Savior from sin and Savior from hell. So I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to embrace God's love and embrace the salvation that Jesus brings. Maybe you are here and you are saying, Pastor, I want to be saved today. Or perhaps you're online, you're watching us and you're in the service, but you know in your heart that you're not saved. That if you die today, you're not sure what will become of you, what will become of your soul. The part of you that lives on after your body has been laid down. You're not sure what will happen to you. You can be sure by inviting Jesus into your life. So I want to give you that opportunity. If you want to give your life to Jesus while every eye is closed, I want you to show by raising your right hand. Just raise your right hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus. I want my sins to be forgiven. And I want to know God. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to be sure that when I die, at least I will not go to hell. That I will have a place with God. I want to pray with you if you're here like that. Is there anybody here like that who wants to give your life to Jesus? Raise that hand up so I can see it. God bless you. 
God bless you. Is there anybody who wants to give your life to Jesus? Today is a day of salvation. It's a day to be saved. 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 Don't let the opportunity pass you by. Is there anybody who wants to give your life to Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. I see your hand. Anybody else who wants to give your life to Jesus? This is nothing to be ashamed of. This is an opportunity that God has given to you. God is showing you his love. Just raise your hand so I can see it. It's just a way of saying, yes, Lord, I want to be saved and God will save you. Don't miss this opportunity. It's a chance to be saved. It's a chance to be sure that if something were to happen to you, you will not miss out on eternity. Is there anybody else who wants to be saved? Okay, I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to say this prayer with me. I want you to say this prayer with me as you give your life to Jesus. Say with me, Lord Jesus. Everybody say it with me. If you're online, join us as we say this prayer also. Say, Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. And I thank you for loving me as I am. Say, Lord Jesus. I confess my sins. Say it again. Say, I confess my sins. And I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your cleansing. Let your blood cleanse me. And let your blood wash me. And make me a child of God. Say it again. Say, make me a child of God. I don't want to go to hell when I die. I want to go to heaven when I die. So Lord Jesus, please write my name in your book of life. Add my name to the list of those saved by the blood of Jesus. My name is, and mention your name. Say it again. Say, my name is, and mention your name. Say, Lord, please write this name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving a whole world of people including me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, if you raise your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, but you said this prayer with meaning, and you really meant it, I'll be waiting for you right here after service. Amen. I want you to come up and talk with me. And I want to show you 
what next steps to take. Amen. And I also have a book I'd like to give you. So I'd like to have your information so I can get this book across to you. Amen. Right. How you can be. Do you have the book? Can you bring them? Yes. These are two books that I would like you to have. One of them says how to be born again and avoid hell. How to avoid hell. Amen. And so this is going to be a good gift for you. This one says how you can become a strong Christian. Some of you are Christians, but you're weak Christians. And so your Christianity is not working for you. But God wants to help you. Amen. So this is a book would like you to have. So come right here at the end of the service. And I'd like to talk with you for a few minutes. And then... I will give you that book. If you're online, just send a text to the number on your screen and um, we will also reach out to you and send you your copy, your own copy of the book. How you can be born again and avoid hell. How to be born again and avoid hell. Amen. All right. Now we want to have communion. We have communion in our church every Sunday. And communion is about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And it will only take a few minutes, but we just want to have that encounter. Amen. You may be... It's, it is an encounter with the body of Jesus. It is an encounter with the blood of Jesus. And if you approach it with faith, it will change your life. Amen. It will bring healing to your body. It will bring salvation to your soul. Amen. So I want you to take one. Just take one. And I believe God is going to bless you. Sing it. everyone have one of these okay now we want to join our pastor this man right here is our pastor he's our founder and we're going to join him as he 
shares communion with us. Amen. So take us seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. What a blessing. Finally, we want to receive our Holy Communion, I believe. There is Holy Communion. Take it. Oh, yes. God bless you for joining the Flow Church. Subscribe, like, watch, watch it again. Because today was a prophecy. God was telling somebody who said to God, you, you promised me something great. There was no mention of slavery. There was no mention of betrayal. There was no mention of sadness. There was no mention of imprisonment. There was no mention of prison. There was no mention of being forgotten, being abandoned. Everything was nice. I thank God for his power. Father, we receive the holy bread. Bless everyone mightily as we receive the body of Jesus Christ. Be healed in your heart. Amen. And now, the blood. Your sins are forgiven and God has blessed you. Stand for your blessing. May the blessing of the Lord be with you. May God's power rescue you from the pit. Rescue you from your difficulty. May God remember you. Things that are not your fault. That you've been blamed for. Being left out. Being abandoned. Being forgotten. Being forsaken. Being betrayed. The Lord help you. And strengthen you. Through every valley. May you come to a place of super abundance. With your cup running over. And the anointing of the Lord flowing out of your cup. May goodness and mercies follow you. As you come through this valley. May you come to the goodness of the Lord. For his hand and his rod. They comfort you. They bless you. And you shall see these great blessings of the Lord. In Jesus name. Let this be your portion. The Lord bless thee. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord give you peace. The Lord save you and help you. Any agenda of Satan for your life this week, Jesus. we scramble it. We scramble it in Jesus. We neutralize name. the curse. Yes. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yes. The blessing of the Lord overwhelm you Jesus. and surprise you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray and I bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Every agenda of Satan for your life this week is scrambled. And cancelled in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.